Greetings, and welcome to another edition of the And You Shall Know That I Am Yahweh, an Ezekiel podcast. I'm Ethan, very glad and thankful that you've joined us and spend some time together as we explore what God has made known through the prophet Ezekiel. We begin today in Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 45 in English. And the word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, set your face toward the south land. Preach against the south and prophesy against the forest land in the Negev. Say to the forest of the Negev, he, Hear the word of Yahweh. Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Behold, I will kindle a fire in you, and it shall devour every green tree in you and every dry tree. The blazing flame shall not be quenched, and all faces from south to north shall be scorched by it. All flesh shall see that I, Yahweh, have kindled it. It shall not be quenched. Then I said, Ah, Lord Yahweh, they are saying of me, Is he not a maker of parables? In the Hebrew text, in the way that the Hebrew text is broken up, uh, chapter 20 and verse 45 is actually chapter 21 and verse 1, recognizing we have a a slight change in context. We have the same timestamp. Ezekiel 591, according to chapter 20 and verse 1, uh, as we are going to see here very shortly, uh, everything is now now working toward its conclusion. Um, Ezekiel has been prophesying to Israel, to the exiles, telling them, uh, warning them that the danger is coming to Jerusalem, that judgment is coming, their idolatry and their abominations and their immorality, their oppression and their disastrous foreign policy is all being uh, brought upon their heads. And we have seen in chapter 20 at this time this this judgment uh, decree uh, where Ezekiel judged them for what showing what the fathers had done and that they had just persisted in the sins of their fathers. And so now we're starting to see these very sharp messages of devastation and destruction that are coming upon Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar and his army are on the march. They're heading on a western campaign that's going to end with the destruction of Jerusalem. And so the prophet's words start to really exemplify that message and exemplify what's going on there. And so we have this message to the Southland, to the Negev uh, in Hebrew. Uh, The Negev is the southern area south of Jerusalem that uh, today is uh, pretty much desert, um, but in in antiquity uh, was had some ability to be farmed, but still not the most... uh, uh, prosperous or fertile area. And the message of this force is that there's going to be this fire, uh, fire burning, judgment, devastation, destruction. It's going to devour green trees. Uh, green trees tend to survive fires better because they've got some moisture content. And so that there's a fire in the green means that there's prosperity. There's there, there's no expectation of, of, of devastation or death, but it's coming when it's not expected. And it's not going to be quenched, and everybody's going to see it and be scorched by it from south to north. Everybody's going to suffer and experience this, and everybody will know that God is the one who kindled it and that it will not be quenched. Uh, and so Ezekiel just cries out at this moment, and, and they're saying, is he not a maker of parables? Is he not speaking uh, in parables? Very interesting, of course, this is what Jesus is going to do in in, in his ministry, Matthew 13, even in, say this is the way it has to be because they don't really understand. Uh, so these, yes, Ezekiel has been doing a lot of these parables. We, we saw previous parables of Jehoiakim, Jehoahaz, 
uh, as these young lions who've been captured by the nations. We've seen Jerusalem as a useless vine, Jerusalem as a adulterous and whoring wife. Uh, we have um, embodied metaphors where Ezekiel has been going about and doing things and experiencing things on behalf of the people. So we've got all, yeah, all of these different ways. God is trying to, th- you know, to, to find some teaching mechanism by which the people will understand. And as as happens so often, the people are just getting stuck on the imagery. Is he just telling us parables? You know, what on earth? This doesn't mean it stops. As we begin what is in English, chapter 21, uh, Hebrew chapter 21 and verse 6, the word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, set your face against toward Jerusalem and preach against the sanctuaries. Prophesy against the land of Israel and say to the land of Israel, Thus says Yahweh, Behold, I am against you and will draw my sword from its sheath and will cut off from you both righteous and wicked. Because I will cut off from you both righteous and wicked, therefore my sword will be drawn from its sheath against all flesh from south to north. And all flesh shall know that I am Yahweh. I have drawn my sword from its sheath. It shall not be sheathed again. As for you, son of man, groan with breaking heart and bitter grief. Groan before their eyes. And when they say to you, Why do you groan? You shall say, because of the news that it is coming. Every heart will melt, and all hands will be feeble. Every spirit will faint, and all knees will be weak as water. Behold, it is coming, it will be fulfilled, declares the Lord Yahweh. And the word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord, say, A sword, a sword is sharpened and also polished, sharpened for slaughter, polished to flash like lightning. Or shall we rejoice? You have despised the rod, my son, with everything of wood. So the sword is given to be polished, that it may be grasped in the hand. It is sharpened and polished to be given into the hand of the slayer. Cry out and wail, son of man, for it is against my people. It is against all the princes of Israel. They are delivered over to the sword with my people. Strike therefore upon your thigh, for it will not be a testing. What could it do if you despised the rod, declares the Lord Yahweh. As for you, son of man, prophesy. Clap your hands and let the sword come down twice. Yes, three times. The sword for those to be slain. It is the sword for the great slaughter which surrounds them, that their hearts may melt and many stumble. At all their gates I have given this glittering sword. Ah! It is made like lightning. It is taken up for slaughter. Cut sharply to the right. Set yourself to the left, wherever your face is directed. I also will clap my hands, and I will satisfy my fury. I, Yahweh, have spoken. In this section, I've tried possibly to provide some intensity in the reading. Uh, it, this is one of those times where the English tries to clean it up majorly. This text is extremely incoherent in the Hebrew. Uh, very much going back to like what we saw in chapter 7, uh, which gives the impression that it's being seen and written in an ecstatic utterance. Uh, an ecstatic utterance is that the prophet is is in, is hearing this word or enraptured with this word, and so what's coming out uh, doesn't always make the most coherent sense. It's possible that we just have text corruption in the the, the text that's come down to us, but it's more likely that it, that's original. That you know, he's seeing these things, experiencing these things, and the, the constant repetition: sword, the sword for slaughter, sword, a sword to the left, to the right, sword, sword, sword. Uh, it 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 seems very ecstatic that it's that it's in this very gripping, visceral moment. And this is a very gripping and visceral text because there's meditation and focus on on this really horrific detail. And we can almost imagine this in a movie-type scene where, you know, you've got 
just the scene before the big battle. And you've got the sword that's getting um, finished up or polished. You know, that's that's being, uh, you know, finely uh, gra- uh, tuned to be very sharp, uh, being polished and just ready uh, for cutting, for killing. And you know that it's going to be used for killing. And it's going to be used to kill the people of God. The judgment has come. And so we've got this oracular word against Jerusalem. And it is horrifying. Uh, It's so easy to get dulled to this. Because all of Ezekiel so far has been a series of judgments against Jerusalem, right? Uh, We've been hearing death and devastation since chapter 4. So, death and devastation, okay, alright. Death and devastation, death and devastation, death and devastation. But it's becoming more acute here. Cut off both righteous and wicked. That is a really potent situation. Because the whole promise has been made, if you have served God, if you have been righteous, you will be spared. Uh, in chapter 14, you know, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job stood before me, they would preserve their lives in righteousness, but, but even their children uh, have no guarantee. Uh, the idea would be even the righteous at least, the righteous would at least be preserved. The righteous at least would be rescued out of this. And now the oracle comes that there are going to be some righteous killed with the wicked. That there, there's not going to be an ability to reason about why some lived and some died. Uh, you can't just say, well, the wicked all got purged out of our midst. Some righteous are going to die in the midst of it. Therefore, also, some, you know, some of the remnant may not have been the most faithful. They just got fortunate. Uh, but right now, we're not even focusing on the remnant. We're just focusing on the sheer death that's coming. The sword is coming. The sword that is going to shed much blood. And this, there's going to be all this cutting off and all this ecstatic utterance around the sword. And therefore, Ezekiel is to groan. He is to be bitter in heart and soul, to cry out, to mourn, and to lament. And of course, if he's out there groaning, oh, no, why are you groaning? Because of the news that's coming, that every that you're going to hear, the city is under siege. You're going to hear the city has been taken. You're going to see exiles come in, and they're going to. You can just see in their eyes that they've seen things. And you might ask, "What's happened to so and so?" Well, they died of pestilence. This person was killed. This person was raped and killed. This person uh, was um, was burned. And it's going to be just a horrifying thing, and the heart will just evaporate, and you're going to just fall on your knees because you can't stand and you're just going to cry and it's going to happen. This is the point where it, we are now at the point of no return. It is coming. It will be fulfilled. The time of repentance has ended. The time has judgment has come on. And again, this, this last section here really kind of, we can kind of put together what's going on. The people have not listened to the instruction of God. They followed after idols. And so um, all there can be now is this judgment. To clap the hands is not a good thing in, in, in Hebrew. This is not an applause. The clapping hands is a sign of, of judgment. God is going to clap as well. And uh, it's going to happen. And the, sat- the fury of Yahweh will be satisfied. Verse 18, the word of Yahweh came to me again, 
As for you, son of man, mark two ways for the sword of the king of Babylon to come. Both of them shall come from the same land. And make a signpost. Make it at the head of the way to a city. Mark a way for the sword to come to Rabbah of the Ammonites and to Judah and to Jerusalem the fortified. For the king of Babylon stands at the parting of the way, at the head of the two ways, to use divination. He shakes the arrows. He consults the teraphim. He looks at the liver. Into his right hand comes the divination for Jerusalem, to set battering rams, to open the mouth with murder, to lift up the voice with shouting, to set battering rams against the gates, to cast up mounds, to build siege towers. But to them it will seem like a false divination. They have sworn solemn oaths, but he brings their guilt to remembrance that they may be taken. Therefore, thus says the Lord Yahweh, Because you have made your guilt to be remembered, in that your transgressions are uncovered, so that in all your deeds your sins appear, because you have come to remembrance, you shall be taken in hand. And you, O profane wicked one, prince of Israel, whose day has come, the time of your final punishment, thus says the Lord Yahweh, Remove the turban and take off the crown. Things shall not remain as they are. Exalt that which is low, and bring low that which is exalted. A ruin, ruin, ruin I will make it. This also shall not be until he comes, the one to whom judgment belongs, and I will give it to him. And you, son of man, prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, regarding the Ammonites and concerning their reproach, and say, A sword, a sword is drawn for the slaughter. It is polished to consume and to flash like lightning, while they see for you false visions, while they divine lies for you, to place you on the necks of the profane wicked, whose day has come, the time of their final punishment. Return it to its sheath. In the place where you were created, in the land of your origin, I will judge you. And I will pour out my indignation upon you. I will blow upon you with the fire of my wrath. And I will deliver you into the hands of brutish men, skillful to destroy. You shall be fuel for the fire. Your blood shall be in the midst of the land. You shall no more be remembered. For I, Yahweh, have spoken. So now Ezekiel is being told this moment to make two ways of the sword to come. So he's supposed to do this demonstration somehow. He's supposed to make some kind of sign to Rabbah the Ammonites, and one to Judah and to Jerusalem. And uh, he's doing the sign act because that's where the king of Babylon is. We have some evidence of the fact that both of these are, are we consider, restive provinces. Uh, there's a client king, probably still Baalus, king of uh, Ammon, and there's uh, Zedekiah in Judah. And they're both rebellious. We know something about the rebellion of Baalus because when Jerusalem is finally devastated in 586, and in the book of Jeremiah we're told that uh, when the exile happens, that Gedaliah is left to be governor of Judah. And so he is governor of Judah for, for a very short time because there is a conspiracy against him, and he is killed. But the people who, have, who kill him uh, had received uh, support and 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 protection from the king of uh, the Ammonites. So they're still trying to foment problems and difficulties for the Babylonians in that land. So both of these are are very uh, rebellious places. And what's interesting about this is that um, at this moment, it is not clear where Nebuchadnezzar is going to go. now, what's going on here is something that is something hard for us, perhaps, to recognize, but something very common in the ancient world. Uh, in the ancient world, you didn't do anything without consulting gods. Uh, we would consider very superstitious. Uh, they're always looking for divine direction, everything that they're doing. 
And so we see that the king of Babylon is performing various pagan rites at this road juncture. He's shaking arrows. So he's trying to see how they all fall out and to look for a pattern and to discern from the pattern the will of the gods. Uh, he uh, consults the teraphim. Teraphim are household gods. He looks at the liver. Uh, Haruspices, which is something that uh, is a Latin word because it's something the Greeks and the Latins would do. The Romans, they, you, know, you, you slaughter a cow after asking a question and you, and you look at the liver pattern and the priest would consult that liver pattern to try to figure out uh, the decree. And what's interesting about this is that you get the impression that the, all of these signs are being used to point Nebuchadnezzar to Jerusalem. And that's not expected. It will have seemed like a false divination in verse 23. They assumed it would be Rabbah. Maybe the original plan is to go to Rabbah and then deal with Jerusalem, which would also make sense. Rabbah is on the way to Jerusalem. You have to pass Rabbah to get to Jerusalem. And so you would want to take them in order so that you know you don't have a disloyal, rebellious client king that's kind of on your rear. So it's very understandable why... Not, not to say, of course, that Jerusalem wasn't on the agenda. It was just, let's get through with Rabbah, and then we can then head to Jerusalem, and then our, our uh, rear is covered. But that's not what the divinations show. The divinations say you go to Jerusalem, which gives us the strong indication that God is directing this, that even though he's consulting these pagan gods, God is providing the direction behind the scenes through these pagan symbols to direct Nebuchadnezzar to accomplish his purposes, which is really a terrifying prospect uh, and really shows the great power of God. And, and who knows, maybe there's also evil forces that want to see this happen and God's allowing them to do it. So there's always that open question of, is it really God who's doing this? Is God allowing the evil forces to conspire against his people? And that is a way his will is being done because he is judging his people. Um, we weren't there. But the message here is, is something very powerful, showing us, wow, God is able to use these pagan devices to accomplish his purposes. And his purposes are for the harm of his people because they have sinned and the judgment is now coming. And so that's why the sharpness in 24 through uh, 27, that uh, they are sinful, their transgressions are coming back, uh, they are uncovered, you are going to pay for them. The prince, Zedekiah, the profane wicked one, uh, will be punished. Uh, you might as well throw that crown off, it's not going to work anymore. You have almost a, a Jesus-like line. Exalt what is low and bring the low what is exalted. Uh, Jesus constantly says in his ministry, whatever is, whoever humbles himself will be exalted, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Matthew 23, 12, and many of the passages. This is that kind of time, the apocalyptic reversal. And a ruin is going to ma be made. It's going to be made a ruin. Now this final section is to uh, the Ammonites. Uh, we're going to see later on, uh, not too much further actually, in chapter 25, we're going to begin the nation oracles. We haven't seen nation oracles yet. Nation oracles are when the prophet uh, addresses other nations. Uh, and the fate of the nations very much is about their relationship to the people of God. Uh, but there's a reason why uh, Ammon is being 
pulled out here. It's to uh, you can imagine that with this kind of message, uh, the Ammonites see that nope, nope, nope. The spies or whoever they've got on their advance guard will see uh, they've all gone to Jerusalem. They're going down south. They're not hitting us. And so you can imagine kind of doing a sigh of relief. Ah, we have been preserved. We're going to survive. And and what God wants to make clear is, I'm going to deal with you too. That uh, right now, you know, uh, you seem like you think you're saved. You think everything's fine. But a sword is being brought uh, for devastation. Um, there's this punishment of the profane wicked in Jerusalem. But the time is coming uh, where you were created in the land of your origin, I will judge you. Remember, their origin is uh, the uh, incestuous relationship between Job and his daughter. Uh, and so in, in that wilderness desert area, there's going to be this final judgment. There's going to be this uh, condemnation. They uh, were going to be exterminated. And it is true that Ammon is made weak and low and brought down to almost nothing. Although the memory is still there. I mean, uh, the capital of the modern-day country of Jordan is called Amman. And Amman comes from Ammon. And uh, who knows, maybe some of the genetic ancestry goes back to the original Canaanite population, uh, of whom the Ammonites are a part. But uh, the nation of Ammon is no more. So that judgment certainly does take place. And so we can see that the, the, the road is fixed. Nebuchadnezzar is now on the march of Jerusalem and it is for us to see how that is going to play out in the prophecies of Ezekiel and we look forward to continuing at a later time and may the Lord bless you until uh, we meet again